welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Um, as always, I am your host, Troy, and we've got a uh, really good discussion on tap tonight. I'm not going to do much of an intro, get straight into it. Um, we've got an interview with Trisha Lund with Lund Farms in Oklahoma, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of a controversial subject. I'll be talking about the use of fairing crates on a pastured operation. Uh, Trish does use them, and uh, she talks about how she incorporates into her pasture setup. And it's quite interesting. It's, um, I think you all uh, will appreciate the conversation no matter what side of that subject you land on. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that, and then we'll talk here at the end. Uh, really excited to introduce you all to Trisha Lund, and she's with Lund Farms in Oklahoma. Welcome, Trisha. Hello. Good evening. All right. So how are things in Oklahoma right now? Uh, we're cold. We had a rainstorm uh, last night, so now we're on the downswing, and then we'll be heating back up next week. <laughs> Is that how that usually works in Oklahoma? You get rain, then snow, then then heat. It just changes about every. Yeah, you can be in shorts in the morning and pants in the evening, and have bathing suits the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then you also get tornadoes too, don't you? Yes, we are tornado. We had 2019 was a record for tornadoes. Oh no, kidding! So, Yikes! Yeah. Yeah, I'm see. I'm a mountain boy. That 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 whole flat, open, swirling wind that just freaks me out big time. So, yeah, no, it's definitely the sirens are are definitely unnerving. Yeah, I bet. All right. Well, um, at least you're not dealing with that right now. That's good. So, uh, give us uh, give us your forty thousand foot elevation discussion of Lund Farms. What do you have going on there as far as your operation goes? Um, so we're a transplant from California originally. Um, so we. Uh, found out here in the midwest that you guys definitely like more variety of hogs um than just the uh york camp crosses that are mostly in california uh so we i was excited because i got to have a whole bunch of um different hogs my husband was like we should get one hog and i end up with seven different breeds um (laughs) so it is just typical me i love i love all hogs and their personalities and all that kinds of stuff um so we have uh seven sows and one boar um I do not live cover. I do AI uh, only because I have a, a cross board that I happen to be helping a friend out and I got uh, for free. He's my teaser boar. He's <laughs> amazing. He's worth his weight in, in feed uh, every year because he's definitely helps me out. Um, he's very frustrated so run... though, isn't he? <laughs> you know, he's still a little smaller than the girls, so he's not, uh, he does what he does and is, it doesn't phase the girls either. Right. It doesn't hurt him. So he's pretty happy about all of it. Right. All right. Um, I tend to get shorter stature boars just for that reason, so they can't kind of reach in with the girls. Yeah. Um, so we run on a, a five-acre plot. Um, I've got goats on one side and the pigs on the other. They've got a, a gracious pond back there for them. Hmm. Um, just a little kind of lean-to shelter that houses them all. And then I've got a couple kind of pulled next to my uh, my barn area that have got just little piglet pins. Um, but they're still all in dirt no uh no cement um for the hogs they just pretty much free reign do what they want to do 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, it sounds like you had hog experience in California, or was this something that you you kind of fell into when you moved to Oklahoma? No, I, I my kids started showing in um, 4-H and FFA, and we really just kind of fell in love with it. We had six acres in California, and so we just said, "Hey, let's let's raise our own hogs for the kiddos." And um, and again, instead of doing the crosses, we did Berkshires, which the kids loved. Um, great personality, great mothers, and so. We just kind of took off from there, and then we moved to Oklahoma. I just we found a new place, and I just kind of restarted everything. Yeah, all right, excellent. So, um, so with those hogs, are are you primarily are you finishing to to sell wieners, or are you actually finishing to, uh, all the way up to processing? What's your standard area there? Um, we kind of have a variety. We do sell 4-H and FFA kits, um, show hogs, um in a market of just more reasonable priced and better just kind of the quality of the pasture raised hogs, um, not the, you know, thousand dollar piglets. We it's more for the people who really truly believe in the the raising of hogs in good quality. Um, so we do sell for that, hence why we ear notch and do tails. Um, and then we uh, we also sell for people who just want to raise a, a hog to eat, so they'll come buy the piglets. Um, and we also, you know, raise and butcher for people who would prefer us to keep them here and just raise them out for them to be ready because sometimes they don't have the land if they're in a, you know, little housing development. So right, yeah. We kind of just range for everybody. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds like you cover the gamut there. So um, as far as the – explain to us a little bit as far as the 4-H FFA uh, stuff goes, what – you had mentioned there that you're not you know, you're not looking at the super high end genetics where you got to charge you know thousand dollars plus, uh, but it's obviously as we mentioned before we came online you you can't just uh, give a kid a pig and say here this is what you need for your um, 4-H. So what are the requirements you run into? What are some of the things that you look at, or or what draws people to you when it comes to uh, 4-H pigs? So I I mean I generally I buy quality hogs. Um, I'll go to the, the you know the the fairs or um, jackpots around here in Oklahoma and kind of pick through what which hogs I like and I'll purchase them from the kids because I try to again support local, stay local kind of thing. Um, so I end up buying those hogs and then I kind of just evaluate them if they're a little shorter. I might buy you know a little taller boar for AIing and I just kind of look at the qualities and what I can enhance in each of the hogs. Um, and then when we have a litter. You know, I'll look at which you're not going to get if you have a litter of 10, you're not going to get 10 picture perfect show hogs. It just doesn't happen. Um, so usually, you know, you get three to four really good quality hogs. Um, you know, we have them grow up to about six weeks and then I start to kind of look at kids. Hey, what are you interested in? And I honestly, I let them come pick their own hogs. Hmm. Um, I don't tell them which ones they should or shouldn't pick. That's up to them and their their decision. Um in what they're looking for as far as what they want to present at a at a fair now is it my understanding that there's a there's kind of like a guideline or there's a a baseline as far as the date that they were born for the specific year they're going to show them yes we do i do breed for you know the general shows around here like the oie or the nationals here in muskogee um also for the tulsa fair and the oklahoma state fair kind of look around what's what those dates are and i'll pharaoh around generally those dates you want to hog about between six to seven months old you want them ready for you know between between 250 and 300 ready for show okay yeah so you just kind of look at the dates of those big events and then just do the backwards extrapolation there of the date to say okay this is this is when that would be the most ideal for these kids to have a wiener pig to, to finish out correct and then again you know 
than life, nothing's 100%. So, you know, they don't always take every single time. So if they don't take that time, then I'll generally just breed them the next time around. And then, you know, we'll have we'll have hogs for people to come purchase just to raise. Yeah. Okay. So in that um, that pretty good lineup of, of different breeds you have, do you have one that you favor or do you just do you like a little bit of everything there? Um, I have a really good spot that I really like. She's pretty docile and pretty tame. She's a really good mother. Um, and then I really prefer my Duroc. She's pretty good too. I have, I have a Chester. She's a little, she's a little Chester, which is typical, a little crazy. (laughs) She's in charge of everybody and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for the most part, you know, I, I go out there quite often, you know, I visit with them. I pet them. I make them more docile. Like I would probably say about two months ago, we had a storm come through here and we were, we were going under like their whole I walked out there at four o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, okay, it sounds really heavy and everything was underwater. They're sloshing through water. And so I, I pulled them all. I mean, four o'clock in the morning by myself with a pig stick, I loaded four into a trailer and three into the crates that we have. Um, and then one off to the side. So, you know, I'm, I'm really big stickler on, although they're pasture pigs, they still need to kind of follow and be able to, you know, in an emergency, get them where they need to go. Yeah. They need to be managed. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about your setup. I, you know, looking at your Facebook page, and, and we'll uh, at the end we'll we'll let everyone know where that is so they can check it out as well. Uh, a lot of good photos on there. Um, I've noticed in some of your farrowing setups, you you use farrowing crates. Can, can we talk about that for a bit? Correct. Yes. Gladly. Um, I know it's a, a hot debated subject in the pasture world, um, and I've chosen to to use the crates to save as many piglets as I can as far as, you know, um, being able to sell. I mean, no farm is, is profitable with no piglets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and in, again, in writing down numbers and, you know, I have to have a certain number of piglets in order to be profitable or even just to break even to, you know, explain to my husband, my, my hobby. Um, so, you know, we use the crates as a form of just helping us protect the babies the best we can. Um, especially, you know, if it's freezing outside or if it's, raining or hailing i mean i don't have a completely covered area so if they're going to go pharaoh out they're going to go pharaoh in a mud hole you know our water table's right up to the top so the piglets are pretty much just going to be in mud um and for us in our operation you know every piglet matters for us not that you know we don't lose pigs here and there because that just happens but we use the fairing crate as a form of just you know protecting the piglets as well as like if there is an emergency you know in a crate if I have to pull a pig, which nobody ever wants to, but it happens, um, it's easier for me to to be able to pull a pig right. from a mama. Um, it protects me from her, <laughs> from her 800 pounds, you know, that she could get me if we were out in, in you know, in the pasture. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely been and in so that And so I use it for that. Yeah. Um, I also use it for just doctoring pigs. If I've got a pig that's lame um, and it needs a shot, I mean, they're not huge fans of it. I use slap shot as much as I can, but every once in a while after three days of shots they're not your biggest fan <laughs> and so i will use you know crates for doctoring if i'm like hey i just need to get a shot or oh i need to you know check this out or check that out it's so easily to be confined right there that i can be able to treat and be up close with them to make sure what's going on and so i can fix what what's going on with the pig 
Yeah. Well, uh, if we could, let, let's back up a little bit and, and indulge me, if you will. Um, I, we, we have a decent amount of our audience that uh, is you know, starting in the pig business or e- even raising at the homesteading level. So they may not fully understand uh, what a fairway and crate is. They may have an opinion of it. But um, would, would you kind of just explain, uh, if, you were, if you're trying to de- describe one, what exactly is it? How does it work? And, and what's its, its function? So the crate that we have... Um it's, it's tied into a three system, so we've got three crates attached to each other. Um, they've got little piglet walls, you know, that go in between those. And then there's a middle crate that kind of sits right in the middle. We've got tender foot on the bottom, so it's as much um, softer on their feet as we can. Mm-hmm. And if I need to, I'll put any type of, um, of uh, gosh, mat down or anything like that, you know, because I want them to be the most comfortable that they can be um, in the crate. Um, and so it just kind of goes over the top of them. It has little fingers that kind of come out. So when they lay down to feed piglets, the piglets are able to just kind of snuggle right up and, and get milk when they need to um, when the mama lays down. What it does is generally is a protection for when the mom goes to lay down. It kind of just stops them from being able to, like, lay on a wall per se. Right. Um, so they just kind of lay down right in the middle part, and the piglets come come feeding Um right away and then you know she gets up there's a feed bucket right there there's constant water um so they're never lacking for anything like that um it's got a a, you know a door in the front and a door in the back um where they can kind of when we get them in and we get them out yeah so i'm looking at the uh looking at your facebook page i see your three cage system here it looks like you're inside a a pole building or pole barn of some sort uh so obviously correct it's a correct it's a shop yeah that i've had built Awesome. So in that situation, so the uh, the sow is is led in and, and uh, again, trying to describe something uh, on audio, uh, kind of like a load chute, choke down gate, that type of stuff is kind of the size of this fairway crate. Uh, the, the, the sow is unable to turn around, but she can either back out or go forward if you choose to open those gates either way, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I think, I think some of the... Um, some of the misconception about farrowing crates, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm no farrowing crate expert by any means, uh, but I think some of the misconception is that you're, you're locking the, the sow down, that she can't even uh, get up at, at some point, that there's you know, some sort of crossbar elements that, that hold her down. Uh, but that's, that's obviously not what your setup is. No, correct. I, it's completely, they can stand up, they can lay down, they can sit down. I mean, it's, it's definitely tall enough. I mean, they've got quite a bit of room up at the top they're not banging their heads they're not banging their sides they're not um you know confined as far as like immovable they can back up back forward um even even in the crate even with the doors not open there's still a good amount of space to back up and and move forward you know to do those kinds of things um and as well as um for me how i started out is they they i put them in there with the sense that they're going into labor i don't I don't put them in there weeks before or anything like that. I put them generally right before they're going to farrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also train them to them. So when they're not pregnant, every once in a while, I kind of just bring them in, throw them in there, you know, for an hour, bring them back out just so they get used to kind of going in and yeah, out. Yeah. And when it comes to the, you know, go time, they're not freaked out as much as, you know, if you just throw them in there and they're like, oh, my gosh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, I try to get them acclimated as best as I can is just kind of going in and out. Um so I put them in there usually right before they farrow that day or maybe the day before, generally that day, though. Um, and then they're in there usually for about two days because they generally don't get up, move too much for about, you know, 24, 48 hours. Um, and then once they're kind of back up, eating, doing all their things up, 
I then take them out two times a day for about an hour um, each time because they generally don't want to pee and poop in the crates because mm-hmm. that's where the babies are and it's kind of clean. So I've been fortunate enough that mine aren't really dirty uh, in that sense. So I take them out, they go out, they, you know, roam around, pee, poop, do other things, talk to the other pigs. You know, if it's a little bit warm, they'll go roll in the mud. I don't stop them from rolling in mud. I don't have them like, oh my gosh, you have to be, you know, 24 seven clean. They're, they're pigs. So I kind of let them do, you know, their thing in that, in that regard. Yeah. So, um, so if we could back up a little bit, and I just I just find this fascinating because it's it's fun to talk about. So, uh, you you said you 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 bring them into the crate, you kind of introduce them, get them trained, uh, really reduces the stress level. Love that idea of of bringing them in even before they're anywhere near uh, farrowing date uh, to get used to that. What sign are you looking for when you know okay it's time to to take them in and lock them down? We think we're ready to go here in the next twenty four hours. Um, well, I'm a big due date person because I AI, so I, I super know due dates. Yeah. So I'm just starting on probably a couple days before. You're just watching them, see if they're, you know, if they're going off into the back to build a big nest <laughs> underneath, you know, in a mud puddle somewhere. Right. Or, you know, and then if you don't notice that, I'm I'm always out there. I I rub their bellies, so they're they're constantly, you know, again super handled. So they're rolling on the on the floor with, you know, petting them. I check for milk, you know, just the vulva being enlarged, different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is generally just, just generally what I look for before you know I even start to think about the crate. Okay, so have you? Do you have experience farrowing without crates? So can you compare uh, the success of farrowing with and without, or do you do you have data like that? Um, I do. I have, I've had a few um, that I just uh, were just in you know large pinned areas, um, you know big areas in the barn area. Um, and, you know, I, I put up a bumper system to try and get them, you know, not to full lay, lay fully on the, um, the grass, but I don't have any full straight pasture, um, farrowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, so do you, I assume with the farrowing crate, your, your crushing lost is, um, minimal if, if even zero. Correct. Um, I think in the years, I guess six years, seven years now we've been doing this, um, I've lost two, mm-hmm. um, and one was at the very end. We tend to wean at 21 days, um, and uh, I lost one at the very end, like day 19, I think it was. Um, he was rather large, and I think he just kind of got stuck um, in there between mom and, and him and everything that was going on. Um, and then I lost one other one, but I don't. Again, I don't, you never know if they're due to crushing or not because right. they're kind of just off to the side. Yeah, doing their thing you know what i mean they just get pushed off to the side so okay. if i want to say it's probably say two okay so weaning at 21 days so you're you're allowing the sow out daily but it, so she's coming back into the crate to to nurse the those 21 days each time or are you are you letting everybody out at some point so no for the 21 days the piglets are in there 24 7 mm-hmm. um and then mama starting on day two is pulled out you know two times usually even near the end you know by day you know, maybe 15, I'm even probably pulling out for maybe an extra time plus a little bit longer because the piglets don't need to nurse as often. Um, we also do creep feeding. So we have little creep feeders in the back end. So there's constantly food in there for the piglets to kind of get into watching mama eat, you know, in the front. I've learned is so important. I've had to, I lost a sow and I didn't realize how important it is for them to watch mom eat, to understand the eating process and how it's done. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's super important that, you know, we're feeding in the crate and the babies are watching or, you know, eating with mom. There's definitely enough room for everybody to kind of have their own space and have their own room and not 
cramped in there. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm curious, uh, and, and this, this may expose my ignorance, but, um, Looking at uh, how our, our pigs farrow on pasture, uh, it seems like my sows historically, uh, they get up and they turn. They turn 180 degrees when they're ready to, to you know, kind of pass the, the other horn. Do you see that? Is, is that an issue? Do you have to let the sow out to turn? Does she fight to try to turn or is that a non-issue? You know, I haven't really had that issue before. I mean, they can, again, like I said, they can stand up. They can go to the other side. They they have they have definitely it's not like they're confined to only leaning on their left side or, mm-hmm. or right side they can get up move around i mean i've had many of sows who get kind of agitated you know they're doing their chewing thing or kind of you know on the bars or or whatever that is that's in front of them um to kind of you know get through their agitation and then they'll turn and and lay on the other side um i've never really had any issues with them not being able to you know get comfortable again gotcha okay so I assume somewhere in your in your creep area you have a heat light for your for your piglets at a certain time of year, or do you use heat light every all the time? Not all the time, just okay. certain times of the year. I only I only use when it's cold. And again, even if it's you know warm enough to where it's keeping it warm into the um, to the garage or the shop area, then um, you know I I try not to have those exposed as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, that's yeah. That's it's very interesting, and I encourage uh, our listeners to uh, to check out um, Trisha's Facebook page, and you can go through her photo gallery, and you can see she has quite a few pictures here of her, uh, some of her sows in her farrowing crate, and piglets running around inside of it. looks uh, uh, looks quite looks like everyone's quite happy there, actually. So, um, so what? Um, what led you to using the crates? Is that something just in your experience you'd always seen, or you just just things you'd read? You know, I kind of, I, I kind of happen chanced on it. Um, I ended up picking up two hogs from a uh, a show barn, and um, they had always used crates. So I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also walked through their facility and was like, okay, I, I also don't want my pigs on cement. I also don't want to, you know, make these pigs feel like they can't just, you know, dig around and be pigs. I mean, I also try to not do iron shots with the piglets. I bring in dirt in little buckets for them to go through. So I try to simulate as much as I can the pasture area without, with it, with being able to, you know, help with my loss of, of the piglets. So I think it was just a, I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but then I've kind of just modified it in how I want to have the pigs um, raised. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So I get a little, little off topic, but are are you castrating your uh, your your boar uh, piglets uh, when they're obviously when they're in the um, in the creep system? I assume. Correct. I, I um, castrate between day seven and day ten, um, okay. right there in the crate. Yeah. Okay. Which is obviously nice to have the sow in a crate when it comes time for that. <laughs> that it, yeah. you know, it, it is much easier. They're not, you know. Plus, I don't have the other pigs running at me because you know. You could set one pig off. They all think that they have to come running. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's not a fun day on pasture when you're you're trying to snatch a couple uh, couple pigs and get out of there before you die. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, um, all right. Good, Trish. I appreciate it. any any other comments or or statements about fairing crates. Maybe I I missed that our listeners would be interesting to hear about. Um, I just think not having such a huge bias against them um if they're used you know not in a way of where they feel like you know 24 7 confinement and lockdown and 
just to kind of maybe keep your, you know, heart open to the people that do it differently. But, you know, because I think that it's not the point of it isn't to to alienate people. The point is to teach people and, you know, teaching people with kindness and understanding and explanation of things is gets people's attention a lot easier than than being mean or judgmental against um, against them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, I, I like your your balance. You have a high, yeah, hybrid system here. I, I agree. If if your entire operation was on concrete, all of those type of things, obviously, we probably wouldn't be having a conversation because it wouldn't be applicable <laughs> to our our demographic. But yeah, I, 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 I like you know, the intentionality you say about even bringing in dirt for the pi- the piglets to experience to keep from having to do iron shots. So there's there's a hybridization there that you have of the process, and it's a process that that's working well for you. Correct. I'm I'm trying to build a balance between the two. Balance of, you know, making it to where it's like I can keep feeding them and keep doing those with piglets, but at the same time, you know, having the pasture to, to still be pigs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I, I like that. I, as we talked before we came, uh, started recording, I, the loss that I've had this year, it, uh, yeah, I hate losing a pig and thinking, okay, if I'd have had a farrying crate, would I have had my loss? Um, yeah, maybe not. So it's it's some of those things that you know I find myself um, contemplating and juggling to say, you know, is this? Yeah, you know, to me, it's another tool in the toolbox. Uh, is that is this a tool that I invest in and and try to to maintain and manage? Exactly, and I mean, there's there's all kinds of crate systems. I mean, not just the ones that I have, but they also have ones where you can pretty much just take you know the top of a crate and have it in a you know, in a, a paddock area or in a, a dirt area, and you can kind of just have her kind of in the middle of it, you know, right there in, in the pasture still. So I think that there's there's always room for, um, you know, adjustment to each person's raising of their hogs and using what's best for them in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting, and you, you touched upon this, and, and this is, I mean, this is the, the, um, the folklore of of pastured piggery it's it's when this when it's the worst possible storm when there's the craziest weather shift it's going to be you know, record cold or record wind record rain that's when your pig usually farrows on pasture and you know, I'm looking here at your pictures and thinking wow you know your workshop this pole barn is warm it's dry it's clean and I think of the times that I've been you know, knee deep in mud trying to to manage the salads about the farrow to get her to a certain spot yeah it just it's like wow yeah that that would be convenient terribly convenient for me not to be in that situation and obviously it's going to be healthier for the the farrowing experience exactly it, it's just using tools what you can to make it safe for you the pig and the most healthiest way possible um and and i still think that even even with using the crates, I still look for a good mothering instinct. Mm-hmm. Just because I have a crate doesn't make a great mother. I mean, if I've got a pig where, you know, I'm having to pull or they're just kind of nasty, it's the same thing. Are you cool for those things that just aren't good mothering instincts? Yeah, yeah. So this uh, crate operation, uh, is this something that, that takes up your shop all year long? Do you break it down at some point? Do you, do you, is it just taking up all that room when you're not using it? Um, correct. It just sits, sits off to the side. I mean, the shop's pretty big, so I've got a huge area that's got, you know, everything else, yeah. feed and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, it, it stays up year-round. I just clean underneath it. I clean the crates. I keep everything pretty clean and and uh, close to, you know, that one side of the, the shop. Yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. And, and that's a, yeah, that's a three-crate system we talked about. So you can have Correct. three sows farrowing at the same time. Do you, do you do that with your AI? Do you try to line them up to where you're farrowing at about the same time, or do you spread them out? 
Um, well, I mean, when you're picking for, for, you know, the, the fairs on certain dates, um, you'll try to line them up. And again, you know, just with live cover AI is not a hundred percent. So, um, I try all, all AI them and see where they kind of land. Um, and then if I have to, you know, if say one's going to come in there sooner than the 21 days, um, I'll transition to like a, a bumpered area when the piglets are about two weeks old. They're a little bit more spry to jump out of the way if mom, you know, yeah. goes way down. I mean, even, and even in the crates, they still have to be aware of mother laying down. It's not like it takes out that whole aspect. It definitely still have to pay attention when mom goes down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you mentioned you you've used a phrase twice there, and I, I think it may be help. I, I like to try to have everyone define <laughs> the terms that they use. Live cover AI. Uh, explain that to our listeners. Oh, so live covers when you have a boar out in the field that um, naturally, you know, breeds a hog. Um, and AI is when you purchase uh, sperm from a breeder. It's shipped. Um, how I usually AI is when I see my boar mounting my my sow or guilt, um, I usually take, I call then and there for the sperm of whichever boar that I pick, um, and uh, they do overnight shipping, and so I usually AI 24 hours after standing heat, and then I usually buy three, so I usually do um, it in the morning, evening, and then morning the next day. Yeah, okay. So you're using you're using your boar, he, he's kind of a kind of a decoy, or at least a trigger, so, so he's he's not like you said he's he's short in stature he's not able to get the job done but he's your he's your flag to say okay when when he moves it's time to to put the order in. Correct. He's what they would call a teaser boar. Yeah. So he, you know, and I mean I've got a couple gilts that I think that think they're um, teaser boars because yeah. they, they can tell me two at times. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I I use him as like the indicator of like you know, when, when AI. Yeah. Because the benefit of that, of course, and, and, you know, I've, I've used boar spray in the past with, with our AI, uh, to try to, to, to get everybody really in the mood that way you can get a good clean stand, know exactly when the heat cycle is because without, without that boar around, sometimes, you know, these heat cycles don't show up as obviously as you'd like them to. Well, yeah. I mean, you can look at a, a, a girl and say, Oh, the, the wolf is a little bit swollen. She's got discharge. She looks a little more interested. She seems like she's kind of standing, but in true, how I feel is you can only know with a boar. And I've done it. I've been like, I think she's in heat. I'm going to go board the sperm. My husband's like, why are you doing that? But it, sure enough, it wasn't until the next day that she was actually in standing heat. Right, so yeah. um, I, he's worth his weight in any treat or feed that he, uh, he consumes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's great. So your, your logistics work out so that. When he's when he's flagging you, you're able to get in and get uh, get your product for that that specific heat cycle. You're not waiting another another uh, rotation there to breed. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. Well, um, okay. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to our our notes here. So, <clears throat> what um, when you're looking at the the kind of the long term? You, you talked about your your polyculture. You have you have goats there. Uh, do you have any other animals that you do on farm? Um, I've got some chickens and ducks. Um, other than that, it's mostly just pigs. Yeah. So, the, the, are the are the are the the rest of the animals more hobby? Or are you are you doing some business with those as well? Well, with my goats, um, I will I'll sell to like the primary 4-H kids. They're Nigerian dwarfs. Hmm, yeah. um, so, there's only certain animals that that primary kids can show, and and any pygmy or Nigerian dwarf is one of the goats that they can show as a um, as a primary kid at like five, five and six years old. Um, cause they can't show hogs until, uh, eight or nine. Oh, okay. And so at least in the, in the 4-H world, um, 
So I, I had the, the goats that will, you know, I let them kind of do their thing whenever they have babies, they have babies. And I usually will just sell to the primary kids for 4-H. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So looking, if you could look down your 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 plan, your your goal path in five years, what do you see in five years at Lund Farms? Are you, are you doing the same thing or is there a growth channel you're looking for? You know, it'd be great to grow. I mean, obviously getting your name out there. I mean, I'm new to the to the area. And so getting my name out there is, you know, a little bit, it's, it's a work, you know, to, to get out there and, and have people know who you are to be able to come for, you know, hogs or meat. Um, and so I, I definitely would love to grow and to offer more, you know, of the pastured hogs for people who want to grow, you know, out their own meat. Cause I believe that, you know, everybody should, you should know how to do it at least, um, you know, to grow your own food and to, to butcher your own food and to do all those things. Um, so I would say definitely in, in five years, it'd be great to, you know, probably have maybe, maybe, maybe 10 or 12, 12 hog operation. Um, yeah, yeah. The community around here. Yeah, well, excellent. So that would be a, you know, try to be a supplier for um, you know, providing wean pigs for, for people that want to raise out their own. Correct. Well, and then just, you know, helping people and build knowledge, I mean, about, you know, why you should grow your own food and, and, and those kinds of aspects. It, it's going to be great to, I mean, I go and I support as much as I can for, I buy my feed from local places. I, you know, buy the hogs from local places to just kind of keep that community, that sense of community um, that farming is really about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Trish, one question I ask uh, all of our uh, interviewees when they come on, all of our guests is what is your best experience or favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? Um, I think just being able to walk out my back door and walk out into my field and still have that connection with animals. I mean, I love petting them. I love, you know, giving them attention and just watching them grow and do those things. I think it's, it's just an amazing thing to still live in a place where we can do that. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Good answer. Well, if, uh, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find information about you online? So I have a Facebook page, um, of Lund Farms, um, based out of Muskogee, Oklahoma. So I don't think there's anybody who has the same farm, but just in case you um, look on there, it is in Muskogee. Muskogee. Uh, There's a song about that, isn't there? M- yeah, Oki from Muskogee by uh, Merle Haggard. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that should be easy to remember then. All right. Well, uh, Tricia, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on the podcast. And when I first called you, you, you were actually moving some pigs around. You had some goats in the background crying. So I appreciate you taking the time to um, uh, pause in your evening activities and, and uh, have a conversation with me. You're welcome. Well, um, everybody check out, I'll, I'll post in the uh, show description, the contact information, the Facebook page for um, uh, for Trish, actually a Facebook page. I'm not going to post her contact information. That would be inappropriate of me. I'll post her, uh, post her fo- uh, Facebook information so you can check that out. And uh, again, Trish, I really appreciate you coming on. I pray you have a good evening. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Take care. Okay, I, I gotta say that's the first time I've ever spoken with somebody that in depthly about using farrowing crates, and and I appreciate her perspective. It's uh, it's it's interesting subject, and I encourage you to go look at the um, uh, the images and the things we talked about on her Facebook page, and I'll be sure to provide links uh, in the show description. Uh, but you can check those out and, and just see how she's using that setup. It's like I said, it's very interesting. Well, as far as updates here at Red Toolhouse, uh, just uh, 
just exciting times with our uh, our new group of pigs we got from uh, from uh, David Crafton at Six Oaks Farms. So enjoying uh, how they're uh, adapting to the property. So far, so good. We've had some jailbreaks, but nothing too serious. That's the beauty about living out in the middle of nowhere. They get out of the fence. They're not tearing up the neighbor's yard because there is no neighbors. <laughs> so, so they've uh, they've done pretty well. Uh, of course, still continuing to rain. So we'll uh, we'll see if they end up developing web, web feet and gills here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, as I mentioned in the last week's podcast, again, if you all uh, looking to see if anybody would share any uh, interesting or funny stories, again, it can be in text, it can be in an audio clip, whatever, and uh, we could share them on the podcast going forward. I think there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that either don't feel that they're qualified to be on here, which isn't true, anybody's qualified to be on here, or they don't necessarily have anything interesting to tell, or, or maybe you're just too intimidated, they only want to just have a small story. So I'm encouraging anyone to share that with me. Again, you can go to Red Tool House, try that again, you can go to redtoolhouse.com forward slash pastured pig podcast, and you can use that form there to submit your story, uh, or just submit a note to say, hey Troy, I'd like to send you an audio clip, and I can respond back and tell you how to do so. Well, I um, hope everyone has a great week out in the pasture and pray that you take care. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.